You know, I think the biggest driving force more so than anything is that desire to constantly be moving forward. The most challenging thing in tattooing is tattooing all day long. I have a, a buddy that has this, this tattoo on his arm. It says, what mind of man can believe and conceive he can achieve. Tony Ritter. How are we doing? Today, man. Uh, how many podcasts have you done? It's like my second one ever. Sick. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And you came out to the studio for it, man. I'm I excited did. about this. Yeah. So for those listening, uh, Tony is my tattoo artist, but he is somebody who, um, man, I, I was trying to think of this other day. I've been tattooed by a decent amount of people over the years Yeah, because most of my body is tattooed mm -hmm. and uh, I've never had like deep, like it sounds weird, but deep, meaningful conversations with another man right, <laughs> like right. I have you being tattooed. Totally. Um, and we became pretty good friends because of it. Yeah. And so I'm excited about this podcast because I think we're going to be able to tell more of your story. And I think you have a, you're a pretty introspective guy like I am. Yeah. So it's nice yeah. to hear your story and why you do what you do. But you also do way more than tattooing. I think you're humble about it. But um, there's quite a few things that I want to get into. So yeah. let's do it. Um, since you've only done one other podcast, you might not know how to do an intro, but I'm going to toss it over to you. Tell the people who Tony Ritter is in a nutshell. So, uh, yeah, I've been tattooing for, oh God, almost 12 years now, 11, 12 years now. Um, in Ellensburg, Washington, a little armpit of Washington state, but, uh, it's, uh, it's a nice little town. It's been a great place to grow up. I moved there, um, in middle school going into high school. So I was there for, I've been there for, I'm 33 now. So yeah, <laughs> I've lived there for a long time. Just never for left. A grip. Yeah. And, uh, after high school, um, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life was toying with, you know, pursuing a music degree, uh, working multiple jobs, didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, Somehow tattooing found me. I think a huge part of it was, and actually when you and I first started hanging out or I was tattooing you, we really bonded over our skateboard background because mm -hmm. both of us skated a ton. Yeah. And for me, I was like, what do I want to do with my life? I'm not going to be a professional skateboarder. Yep. Uh, it's just not in the cards for me. Like, I'm not even that great at it. I just love it. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of had that, uh, I wanted to have a job where it was sort of like a lifestyle job, yeah. you know, whether that was like making music or being in a band or, or skating or whatever it was and tattooing. I started to realize how, how synonymous it was kind of with the skate scene mm -hmm. and how they kind of held hands a little bit. That's how it felt. I was like, it's rebellious and it's sick. And it's yeah. just kind of this, like, not everybody's into it, but like the dudes that had sleeves, I was like, dude, those guys look so sick, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and it was just kind of this thing that, um, so it's part of the culture. That's what brought me into it uh, initially. Um, and between working different jobs and just trying to figure out what I was going to do, I was like, um, how can I get into this? How mm -hmm. can I get in? How can I break into this thing? And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's how the tattooing started, but there was a ton of stuff before that, obviously growing up in Ellensburg and it's a really tiny town and just trying to navigate relationships and all that and figuring out where my life's going to go and life's direction, and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, uh, it's been a journey, but it's crazy that it's been 12 years already of tattooing. Yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, the, the, the things that the listeners are, you're going to learn about Tony and here in this podcast that I'm excited for too, is 
how he turned uh, a hobby or a passion into his career, not just uh, like a good job, but like a really successful career and easily one of the best tattoo artists in the state. And I know that Thanks, extends sir. outside <laughs> of the state, to be honest with you. It's, it's you, dude, phenomenal. And doing so in such a tiny town and community is like really going to be something I want to hone in on. Yeah. Um, and also like you have a fitness side of you too, which the listeners will appreciate right, um, right. to a point where I like, I'm baffled by some of your runs because <laughs> you've gone crazy down the endurance path and you do some amazing things there. So yeah. we're going to talk about a lot of things that you guys are going to get a ton out of. So even if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't have a single tattoo on my body. You're going to learn a lot. And that's, that's the point of this. But, yeah. um, it's also cool too. Cause when you're saying that about tattooing and skateboarding and like, just what, like it is very synonymous and parallel with that. Yeah. I remember thinking the same things, but I also thought that way about clothing. That's what like brought me back to that. Cause originally that was my plan. And then I got steered into the fitness path and now I'm yep. coming back to being able to build the clothing company. And it was the same thing. I remember companies totally. like diamond and crooks and castles that yes. they didn't really make skateboard stuff, but the skateboarders wore them. And it was like that streetwear, that edgy punk slash hip hop slash tattoo culture. Like it was, and it was really cool. And that's how I feel about the clothing. So it's cool yeah. hearing you say that, you know, and I think so much of like the tattoo culture, skateboard culture, clothing culture, all that, it was like this sort of like uh, grasp at finding individuality, mm -hmm. you know, at a younger age, you just want to do it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I remember getting into metal bands and I was super huge into metal and maybe there was an aspect of it. Like it was just like, I was listening to like a lot of brutal metal and people were like, bro, how can you listen to that? Yeah. And I was like, it's so sick. Yeah. But there was like this sense of like, this is my thing, yeah. you know? And so it makes it feel edgy and a little bit different and tattooing at the time, when I decided that I wanted to get into it, I, I didn't really even know people that had tattoos. I mean, you, you knew people, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. pro, there was, you know, professional athletes were coming up on the scene that had yeah. tattoos. A lot of ex-military guys had tattoos. Um, uh, a, a really good friend of mine, still a friend of mine to this day, I was in a, a youth group program when I was in high school and he was, and he skated with me all the time. And I remember he was the first guy that I was like, this guy is tatted. And I think he had like three tattoos yeah. or something like that. But I was like, this guy's tatted. It's sick, you know? And so you just see the, the blending of those, those words. It's like that kind of rebellious individual kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, and that's what really made me gravitate into the tattooing scene initially, you know. It's funny. Dude. I remember, uh, so I got my first tattoo when I was 17. And I remember that before I went, uh, like, for it, I was like, I'm going to dip my toes in. Got my ears pierced. But then I caught home and my dad made fun of me and was like, one, I wasn't allowed to unless I had certain grades. I couldn't do any of that stuff and I didn't have good grades. So he yeah. was like, take them out. <laughs> and then a week later, I came home with tattoo and it's like. Now what, dad? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I got my initials on my arm. Um, but <laughs> before before you got into tattooing, you uh, you talked about the the music scene. Like that was what you actually went to school for and you were going to go that path. I didn't actually know that. And so, um, and you're talking about metal and stuff. So I'm curious, were you were you in a band? And if so, like were, when you were pursuing the vocal side, was it like metal, like screaming or was it more sync? Like there's yeah, so, so many different sides of well, so, so in high school, I got super, super into just the music programs and all of that kind of stuff. So like the direction that I wanted to go um, outside of high school is I just wanted to con continue with music. Mm. The problem for me with like going to college for music was going to be that it was going to be probably being an educator of some kind in music. Oh, yeah. But I didn't want to do that. Like yeah. ultimately, I think I realized 
I wanted to be a musician mm-hmm. and that's something where you gig, you know, you, you start a band, you do all that kind of stuff. So for me, I wanted to be in bands. I wanted to do that kind of stuff in school. Initially it was like vocal jazz. Uh, I was doing like, um, cl- vo- vocally classic performances, like Latin Italian arias and stuff like that. Oh. Um, and uh, a huge part of that desire, too, was my dad was a vocal performance major, and he did a ton of stuff with opera, um, operatics and stuff like that, and really talented guy. And so I was always drawn to that. My mom is incredibly musical. And so for me, I just thought that was going to be the path. But then I really just wanted to be in a band. I wanted to scream. I wanted to scream mm-hmm. and or sing. And I did quite a bit of that, too, um, after high school. I was in a band for... I think I was with them for a couple of years. They were a band before I was in it. And then they were looking for another vocalist. And so I jumped on um, and I was a vocalist for them for a while. And I was super passionate about it. But again, it was one of those things where it's like, how can I make money doing this? You know, yeah. like I love it. I'm so passionate about it. And it wasn't about the money when I was in it, but I was still thinking like, how can I turn this into a job? Yeah. You know, because at the time I was working at a gym um, doing membership sales and, uh, and all that good stuff. And I was working a fast food job. I, uh, was working sales jobs. I was doing whatever I had to do in order to gym and a fast food. job. Oh, it was so funny. And so ironic. I guess I was so obsessed with weightlifting at the time, but then I was like working in fast food, talking people out of it. And it was obvious you don't need to do this. (laughs) Save your money. Yeah. Uh, did you notice, um, or you probably didn't notice at the time, um, cause I didn't, but like you say, you know, skateboarding, I resonate with that too. Like I, I play team sports as well. And I'm sure you did when you're a kid growing up, but at a certain point I remember looking back and go, Oh, like I was supposed to be an entrepreneur. Like I remember yeah. like hustling stuff out of my garage on Craigslist because it was yeah. safe to do that at 13 at the time Absolutely. in the world. Um, <laughs> so I'd be selling random stuff there and I was really into skateboarding and snowboarding, um, I, like tattooing, uh, not literally, but like getting tattoos yeah. and, and even the, the way you spoke about bands, I remember, and you probably did this too. Like as soon as a band really made it and you should be happy for them, you're like, they're sellouts. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not underground anymore. But like the point totally. is that whole like idea that you mentioned of individuality. That's why I loved clothing. That's why I like tattoos. That's why I like skateboarding. And at a certain point you go, oh, like I'm, I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur because like my, my path has always steered me towards doing something in an independent pathway, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I think I was... At the time, it was less about being an entrepreneur for me. I think it was more when when tattooing really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was I was working these other jobs, and I had friends that were like, "Dude, you're like you're an artistic dude. Like, you should consider getting into tattooing, not just getting tattooed." Because I was taking all of the money that I was making, and I was getting tattooed all the mm-hmm. time, you know. And they're like, "You should like." I had friends that were like, "You should like really consider pursuing this." And then I think I had this light bulb moment. I'm like, if I could make art for a living, like. It would be, it'd be, it'd be so sick. It'd be the dream. Like, and I could be my own boss. I don't have to answer to anybody because that's really hard for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I wasn't lazy by any means, but there was a a lack of worth ethic when I felt like I was working for towards somebody else's thing, you know, and I wanted to work towards my thing. And so as soon as I, I started going down that road of like, okay, maybe tattooing could happen. I bought a tattoo machine off of Amazon or no, it wasn't Amazon. It was eBay at the time. Mm. I think I spent 120 bucks. I got like two tattoo machines. It came with needles, inks, and it was like the brand of ink I think was like red ink, you know, yeah. yellow ink. Like that's literally what it said. <laughs> there was like no brand name. Like this is, you can't make this up. Like there was no actual brand to any of the products I was using. I was like 
in the back of my apartment, like poking myself in the leg, trying to figure out how to like make the ink stick. So funny, even like going back to yeah. that, going, going back all the way back to that. Um, but for me, it was like, I was just trying to figure out a way that I could be my own boss. Yeah. That's how it initially started. And then it turned into more of a passion of like, now I'm my own boss and, and, and I'm a proficient tattooer and I love what I get to do every day. And I'm super passionate about the work and I just want to see this thing grow. And then it's like, okay, how can I not just improve in tattooing, but in other aspects of life? Like what else can I conquer? You know, like how else can I grow? Yeah. And around that time, you know, my wife and I, we, we had met, we were dating for a while and then we eventually purchased a restaurant and we were running a restaurant together and we still have that restaurant today. And so, you know, it starts to turn into a lot more once your aspirations continue to grow and grow yeah. and grow. And that, that idea of being stagnant has always been really scary to me. I think that's a huge part of wanting to grow, um, which we've talked about tons in the past. It was like, and that's the thing about tattooing too. I've seen a lot of guys that have been tattooing like 10 years and they're just like not great at tattooing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, how are you not great at tattooing? This has been your thing for 10 years. Like you should be like tirelessly obsessed with improving the process, get better, get better, get better. Yeah. Um, I've heard tons of tattooers say like, you're only as good as the last tattoo that you did. So mm -hmm. my job in my mind was like, I need to be consistent all the time. Yeah. And it's like that whole, like better to be like consistently good than occasionally great. Like I started really trying to live by that and tattooing. Like I wanted to be excellent all the time, but at the very least I need to be consistently good. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it became that self-obsession, you know? I think if you can see somebody's progress in their timeline, this is, and this is what's cool about like even just Instagram, cause you know, like you have art, so it's, it's quite literally a portfolio. It's like the perfect platform totally. for it. But even with me, like I thought, cause I, I thought about this, uh, me and Shannon talked about this actually, my wife, because I'll send her your tattoos all the time. And it, it's like, holy shit, do you see this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, his stuff's getting nuts. And like, it's crazy because literally it's like every time it's like, damn, that's sick. Damn, that's sick. Oh shit. Like it's getting <laughs> like, it's getting better. You know what I mean? And as somebody who is running out of real estate to get tattooed and has spent tens of thousands of dollars on tattoos, right? it makes me go like, damn, I got to book a new appointment. And Shannon yeah. will be like, for what? And I'm like, I don't even know yet. Oh, let's but, figure it out. Yeah. but like your tattoos keep getting better in that progress. And, and somebody commented on one of my videos and it was, it was kind of similar, but it was about how I explained something. Right. And it was like, like your videos are getting, like the way you explain things is getting so much more dialed in or so much easier to understand. And it's like, cool, then I'm getting better at this. Because guess what? I'm explaining right. the same damn thing over and over and over and over again. But yeah. if I can make it click better, that's my way of progressing, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be successful. Right. And like basically what you're saying is you just become so refined yeah. in the process. It's the constant it's the constant grind. You're grinding and grinding and grinding. And it's just, it becomes so fine, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it becomes so fine and everything gets smoothed out. I yeah. like to think of it as like, I'm an old piece of driftwood, you know, like when I first got into it and I'm just grinding on it every single day to yeah. just smooth that surface out as much as I can and just try and get things as smooth as, and then it's so gradual though. You don't even realize how much you've grown yeah. if, if it's what you want if it's truly what you want if growth is what you're searching for if a desire to grow and to yeah. hustle and to improve and to change and to see how how far you can take this thing um you know for me seeing the where i started and where i am now it's funny you said instagram you know it's cool because there's 
it is like a log of all my art. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll scroll for like 10 minutes backwards on my own Instagram and go back to the thing that I posted like 12 years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, this is yeah. still on here. And I've had these hinklings to be like, I need to just, I need, I need to delete it so that people can only see the good stuff. Mm hmm. Um, archive it and archive it and, and you can and, still see and it. Hide it. But you know what? I had that thought a couple of years ago. Uh, I was looking at something really bad that I did. Yeah. I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I'm so sorry for whoever has this tattoo. <laughs> um, but then I, and I was like, I should delete it. But I was like, you know what? I actually did a really similar version of this tattoo like three months ago. I'm going to do a side by side instead. Yeah. And so I grabbed it. And I grabbed the other one and I punched them together and I did a side by side and I just explained, look, this is, this is just the raw this is truth of any grind. Yeah. Like this is where I was at. I didn't know anything, but I had aspirations, goals, a dream, a desire to get there. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew that like forward is the pace, yeah. right? Forward's the pace. Like I just got to continue to uh, refine I'm not lining things correctly. Okay, how am I going to pull a better line? What's going on? Is it yeah. the brand I'm using? Is it my needle depth? Is it the angle of my machine? Like, what am I doing wrong? Who's going to teach me? How am I going to figure it out? Do I need to work with people that are better than me? Do I need to go to conventions? You know, like, how am I going to learn how to shade this? Yeah. How am I going to refine this? These needle marks look like ass. Like, how am I going to, you know, and it's just you grind and you grind and you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then eventually, oh, holy shit, all of a sudden you're looking at these two tattoos side by side and you're like, this is not the same person that did these things. Yeah. And it's so gradual when you're in it, you don't even realize what's, what's happening. Like yeah. you, you don't see the evolution of your craft. Yeah. You know, it's important to look back at that. P pull this up just a little bit closer oh, yeah. to you. Um, it, it's important to look back at that too. Cause I, I heard this thing. Uh, somebody was talking about like, um, it was, it was that Keith craft guy again. Do that. You got to listen yeah. to the guys podcast. It's nuts. No, I'll totally like, check that out. Yeah. He was saying like, um, the guy that was interviewing him was basically like, you have never had an off, like a bad year. And he, and it's, and he was explaining, he was like, it's not that I don't have bad moments. It's that I'm just constantly looking for growth and people will come to me. And, and when I say what I'm doing, they'll be like, yeah, well, I kind of think this, or I believe this. And my response is always like, how's that working out for you? Right. And it's like, damn, that's a gut punch. But if you really think about it, the only way yeah. you can know how to get better is if you look back and you go, what didn't work? So if anybody listening to this is stuck, it's the same thing. You're stuck in whatever you do. You have to look back at what you're doing and go, okay, is that really working the way I want it to? And if it's not, you progress forward. Um, something I'd be curious along those lines with you because tattooing, I mean, shit from the, the first time I got tattooed until now, it's just evolved so much. Oh my God. And I got to imagine part of the reason certain people don't grow in anything, but especially in tattooing uh, reference to this is they don't evolve with the new technology, the new times. And I even thought like when AI first started coming out and they'll like auto generate training programs for you, captions, like yeah. email marketing, all stuff. At first I was like, that's BS. Like that's, I'm not going to do that, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you start really thinking about it. It's like, okay, well let's see what it does for like a podcast title. And it's like, right. Damn, that's really good. Or it's like, that's pretty good, but it just gave me an idea for something even better. And it's like, okay, well like, how can we use this? Like we can be the old guy that doesn't grow at times or we can see how we can utilize this to grow. And I think with tattooing, it's got to be the same. Like things keep coming out and you keep evolving, adapting and seeing what's being implemented and then utilizing it for your own growth. Exactly. And so, you know, a misconception that a lot of people have, um, obviously never ending respect for people that have been in the tattoo industry for 20, 30 years, however long they've put in a lot of years and they have yeah. a lot of experience. They've have years and years and years of seeing how their stuff heals. 
I have never ending respect for people that have given that much time to tattooing. With that being said, people get really stuck in their ways. Yeah. And that's just the way that it goes. And tattooing is not exclusive to this. This is something that you see in many, many industries. I'm sure you've seen trainers and things that have been trainers for 20, 30 years. And it's like, bro, there are way more proficient ways to be doing this thing. And they're like, Hey, I've been doing this for 30 years. Don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah. You know, (laughs) uh, and tattooing is tattooing is kind of like that. Um, where it's just like, there's a lot of guys that are like, you're using those pen machine things. They don't even, they don't even sound like a tattoo machine or whatever, you know? And it's like the, just the machines that we use now. Yeah. And there's guys that are purists that refuse to to try the new stuff. And that's fine because you can make a, a phenomenal tattoo with a traditional yeah. coil machine, which is what I'm talking about. Like a yeah. traditional old machine. Like, and you there are guys my, uh, prolific font on my back with that. I did. You yeah. can barely talk cause it's so loud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're fantastic for a lot of things and I still use it occasionally, but just where I'm, where I'm getting at with that is it's like, there's this, um, this resistance to, mm-hmm. to trying new stuff. And I don't know why we do that because we, we all do it, you know, like, it's almost like a, it's not broken, so don't fix it kind of yeah. mentality. But it's also like the, you have to understand why things are progressing the way that they are, why we're moving, why am I not drawing on a piece of paper anymore to mm-hmm. get my stencil ready? Why am I using an iPad? Yeah. There's a reason for that. You know, like it helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like I can make 6,000 layers over my design that I'm creating with my iPad. In like an hour and a half before I had an iPad, it was like, I'm using a light box. Actually, I had a big glass table. I, I frosted it myself with like a, like a Krylon spray, like yeah. frost spray. And then I put lights underneath it. And anytime I had to draw or get my stencil ready, I would literally turn that on. And I'd be like, somebody comes in and I'm like, oh shit, that's not the right size. And I'd be like, okay, well. I can try to resize it, but it doesn't perfectly fit the arm. So then I'd like take the tracing paper and put it over their arm. And then I'd go back down and I have to kind of redraw the whole oh, thing. Yeah. And it was like the process just took forever. Oh yeah. And, and piggybacking off that, it's like, it's things like that, that make you better, that yeah. help you improve. The technology is here to help you. And I embrace a lot of it. Some of it I'm, I'm also resistant to. And I think, I, you know, I've been doing it long enough now that I feel like I know enough sometimes. And I'm like, you really don't do like, this yeah. is how you're going to get better. You just gotta, you gotta embrace the growth and the change yeah. in your industry. You know, it'd be like, uh, <clears throat> when the drill first came out and the guy's still got a handheld screwdriver and he's like, Oh right. no, this yep. thing works great. I'm not using that thing. Exactly. It's like, okay, bro, your forearm looks great. But like, what's <laughs> there <laughs> on the drill, dude? Um, there's a, there's yeah. a quote by, uh, somebody about Henry Ford or maybe it was Henry Ford, but it was like, it, it was basically like, it was talking about how, um, everybody thought he was crazy because everybody, they had wagons with horses yeah. and Henry Ford's like, I'm going to make a motor vehicle and they were like okay good luck and nobody bought into it and now look yeah it's like you know you don't want to be the person that's against it when it becomes the thing the new thing Mm -hmm. the the only thing that makes any sense um when you first started tattooing did what like nowadays and I don't know if this is uh now that I'm like an ask question I'm kind of looking at it from two ways my first thought is like when you back in the day it was like you can't make good money tattooing and now it's like you could make a great living tattooing, not only because they're more popular, but because it's it's such a piece, like such an artwork. You can be an entrepreneur. It's more common. Um, but then I started thinking about it and I'm like, well, is that just 
relative to those people who are actually good. So going back to if you are obsessed and you are passionate, like obsession is just to me, it's just an extreme level of passion for something. Right. And you're practicing and studying and refining your, your skill over and over and over and over again until you get to that place. And then when you look back, you're like, holy shit, like over a decade's gone by now. Yeah. Now I'm successful. Yeah, it's so crazy. Is it is it more of that than it is anything else? And I got to imagine like when you first started where people like, you're not going to be successful with that. Like you can't make money with that. Cause I mean, that's how it was for me as a trainer. And I was like, I don't care about that. And then eventually I I proved them wrong anyway, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people that were like, um, even, even my, my dad, I remember, uh, I was like, I'm going to get into tattooing. And he was like, no, yeah, no, get, go get a real job. And a huge part of that too was again, I mean, tattooing was popular 12 years ago, but it is not on the level that it is today. I mean, not even close. Can you even remember like what the best looking tattoos were like 12 years ago? There's just like the whole level is just, it's so elevated. I used to buy magazines. Yeah. Ink magazine and stuff. Yeah, dude. That's how, that's how you looked at tattoos. Yeah. Um, and (laughs) that's so crazy. But at the time I'm like, yeah, I want to be a tattoo artist. And also, um, there weren't resources like there are today either. Yeah. Like tattooing has always been a relatively sacred thing as far as teachability and all that kind of stuff and, and getting in, um, it's easy now. Like it's super easy. Like there's a million online coaches, stuff like that. Like you can pay whatever. In fact, some States you can just go to school. Um, Oregon does it. Uh, I, I heard another state is planning on doing it. I can't remember which one that is, but now you can just receive education. You can just jump into it, you know? And so the process of like getting into it and learning it um, when I was getting into it was, was a lot more challenging. It seemed a little bit taboo, um, and, um, just a little, a little more difficult. And so it seemed kind of grandiose, I think to some people in my life when I said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I also had a lot of support too there, you know, because I have people that are like wild dreamers. Like I am like one of my sisters, um, I'll never forget the day I was like, I'm doing this. Uh, I'm going to buy a bunch of tattoo shit and I'm, I'm just going to start. Um, I had a magazine, um, from national tattoo supply and it's just a super, super janky looking tattoo magazine. And, uh, the guy that, that, uh, I opened up, uh, the roost with, he's the one that gave me the magazine. He was like, look through here. It's going to have everything that, um, that you're going to need in order to, get started essentially. And I run up to this spa salon where my sister was working. My sister was going to central and she was working at a spa salon on the weekends. Actually, I think she was working pretty much full time, but, um, I run up the stairs of this spa salon and I show her this magazine and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be a tattoo artist. And she's like, no way. That's so sick. That's so crazy. And she was so supportive of my idea. But it's funny about the spa salon. The reason that I had to bring that up is it's actually where my tattoo shop is now today. That's my space that I built. That spa salon's gone. And then like 10 plus years later, when I wanted to go do my own thing and capture my own vision, I'm actually in that building. It's it's my business now. Yeah. And that was the first place where I ever like, you know, got, got stoked, had the idea, ran. It's crazy story. Yeah. And I, I could, I could go all the way down that rabbit hole, but, um, there was a lot of people in the beginning that were like, this is just not going to be a profitable career. Yeah. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to make money? But if you think about it too, like nothing is a quote unquote real job mm-hmm. until somebody does it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Totally. If you think about it, cause I heard the same thing. And like now, nowadays, like, like if, if my daughter's five, but let's say she was like 
20 and she's like, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to be a full-time YouTuber for a living. I'd be like, that's not a real job. Like no. I probably would be fine with it now. Cause I understand. Yeah. Totally. But like five, 10 years ago, people would be like a YouTuber. What? Like, it's not a real thing. There's yeah. people who just podcasting. We're doing this right now. This is yep. what they do for a living. Yeah. You know what I mean? So exactly. nothing is a full-time job until you make it a full-time job. Until you, you know make what I mean? it a full-time job. So being and like, did you have, uh, I guess, because I want people to take like some of this way. And this is something I talk about often enough. Um, you live in a small town and you obviously have people yeah. that are telling you that's not a real job. Like yeah. Yeah. how do you continue to have like a big mind in a small minded community? You know what I mean? Like how did you like, did, is it like, are you the type that has like the I'll prove to you and you have a chip on your shoulder or was it just like almost like a, I call it an ignorant level of self-belief. Like you j it just doesn't phase you. You just like, you're so focused on what you're going to do. You're just uh -huh. like, I don't know. It just didn't bother me. And where other people really get bogged down by people saying that they can't do it. Well, you know, I got, I got a little bit of two things. There, there were people that said, this is not a good job. Like you shouldn't get into that, which I didn't get a ton of it. I didn't not get it. Maybe I just wasn't, maybe my ears weren't open to it. You yeah. know, um, what I got more than anything when I got into it is don't do this. You're going to be bad at it. Mm. Like, don't do this. You're going to suck at it. Like, and I was tattooing in a garage. Uh, I was tattooing in a garage for like a year, just trying to figure it out because I couldn't get an apprenticeship because I sucked. Um, and people didn't take me seriously. And I was doing really bad tattoos. And there were a lot of naysayers. I had a lot of people that were, I, I'll never forget, actually. Somebody posted on Facebook the tattoo that I did on them. And then the comment section was just like, man, this guy sucks. Like he's terrible. Like how, how did you, did you pay money for that? You know, like, <laughs> like, uh, just ruthless, you know, the internet was ruthless back then in yeah. different ways, you know, yeah. but like, um, and I was so hurt because at the time I thought that my stuff actually looked good, yeah. you know, like in reference to, to now, I mean, like I, I didn't have, I thought I was doing a good job. I thought I was improving. I was trying really hard. Um, and it was really hard to hear, uh, this guy sucks. And I had, and I heard it, you know, uh, a good chunk of times from a lot of people, um, in the beginning of my career. And what makes that really hard is the small town. Yeah. I was just about to say. So when you do really well in a small town, everybody thinks you're doing really well. When you're doing bad in a small town, everybody thinks you're doing really bad. Yeah. It's an extreme, no matter where you land, mm -hmm. you're kind of always under a microscope in some form or facet. You get noticed way easier for either side of it or good or bad or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like that phrase, like everyone's famous in a small town kind of thing. Mm. You know, it's just, it's yeah. funny, but that's just kind of, that's yeah. the way that people view it. Um, and so for me, when I first got into the tattoo thing, I think I had a lot more naysayers, less, less about being, this isn't a good career, but that did happen more about being, you suck. You're not ever going to get there. And for me, you know, like listening to, um, I remember hearing a Tyler, the creator song when I was like, 21 and he's like success is the best revenge um mm. so i beat him up with a stack of magazines i'm in or something like that like that was the yeah and 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 i heard that line and i was like yes this you know like yeah. as a kid i was like this is sick this is i'm gonna i'm gonna prove them wrong yeah you know and uh um that kind of motivation only lasts a very very short period of time yeah like like <laughs> getting good at something just to say screw you to a handful of people first off it's it's not good for your soul but uh 
but it worked for me for a little while and it was good because it did propel me forward. I made it my mission. I was like, okay, these people think that I suck. Yeah. So I need to at least prove that I don't to this group of people yeah. in my mind, you know, immature thinking at first, but it really helped move me out of this sort of like, I need people to believe in me and even more so because it's a small town, I'm going to know if they don't. Yeah. And I really want people to think that I deserve to be here. Yeah. And first it started out like people didn't believe that I could do it. And then after a couple of years, people were like, okay, he's figuring this shit out. Like, he, I think he can do it. He, he deserves to be here. He's, he's trying his hardest. Yeah. But I didn't have the respect of tattooers and stuff. And I really wanted other tattooers to respect what I was doing, you know, because those guys have been doing it longer than me. Yeah. They're really good at it. And so for the longest time, it was just about trying to gain the approval or the respect and not because I needed the approval, the approval and the, the respect specifically. I think it was way more about I, if I received that validation in the beginning, I would have thought that I was good enough, you know? So a lot of the beginning of tattooing for me, I think was pretty deeply rooted in the insecurity that I like needed to try and figure it out. And but what it ended up happening was I was able to use it as a weapon because eventually I became so obsessed with the process of just get better, get better, get better. It went from like all these people with these opinions and people are saying, you know, like, I don't think that he's a good tattooer. Or I don't think he can do it or maybe this or that, yeah. or this tattooer is not going to follow me on Instagram because they don't think I'm good or whatever. And then it just turned into like, I'm in my own lane and I'm just going to see how far I can push this thing. And I just kept grinding, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. I was like, yep, I'll go to that convention. Why? Because it's super uncomfortable. You show up, mm -hmm. you've never been to a convention. You're rolling your shit in there. You're about to tattoo around 100 other tattooers. That dude's super sick. He's got 100,000 followers on Instagram. Everybody thinks he's dope. I'm some, some nobody from Ellensburg. Like, how am I going to do this? And I was like, no, no, no. Let's rise to the occasion. It's time to go from being like, don't think you are. No, you are. You know, don't think you are. No, you are. That fake it till you make it yeah, type yeah. of mentality yeah. is powerful, especially when you're trying to to really figure yourself out and figure it out. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what was the, I mean, at a certain point, cause I can relate to this too. Like at a certain point, the chip off on your shoulder is gone because right. the people who were naysayers either just get quiet or they revert their statements. And now you have new people saying like, or you just don't care. You're great. And yeah. you're in a small town. So like you were the best in that small town a long time ago. You know what I mean? So like at what point, like how do you, what was the, what was the continued drive? Is it really just the process? Did you just become obsessed with like, like today thinking about it today? Like what is the motive to get better today? Like you have people traveling to you, you have yeah. people paying good money. You, you, yeah. you're, you don't have to open your books cause you'll right. be booked forever. You know what I mean? Like you're, you, basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. the way it's set up is pretty good. Like it what, is, it is good not man. to make you comfortable, but like yeah. what is the driving force now? You know, I think the biggest driving force more so than anything is something that we've talked about a lot. It's that desire to constantly be moving forward and whatever it is like there's something so scary about feeling stagnant and whatever's yeah. going on in your life, because we as human beings, we have a deep desire to create and to, to grow and to improve. Now, if I were to change my tattoo style tomorrow. In my mind, if I feel like I'm vastly improving and I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, and it, and it is fulfilling to me, then I'm winning. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that, you know, like, because artwork's subjective too, right? Like, I, I might be doing work that I think is a million times better than it was last year. And some people may disagree if I'm changing an artistic direction too. So I think, like, 
not feeling stagnant has always been my biggest thing. Forward progress, whatever that looks like, like, and we can define it in a million different ways. But for me, that forward progress would be, I need to continue to push the envelope on what I can do. I want to get faster and I want to produce the same quality or better quality. I want to figure out composition better. I want to figure out layout better. Okay, I loved that sleeve. I loved the way that I designed it. I think that it flowed really well and I'm super happy with it. But that back elbow area that drops down into the forearm, if I had just tweaked my composition a little bit, I'd be so much happier with what I'm doing. You know, and it's just like, it becomes little things. Like yeah. your fixations are just like different than they were in, than they were in the beginning. You know, like. How do you keep that a positive thing? I think some people will do the, the but, and then immediately it diminishes the quality in their mind and the success that they had or the win. And, and I've been guilty of that, like not celebrating your wins or whatever. But I also think if I didn't say, but I could do X, Y, Z better, or but I can do more of this, then I wouldn't have that forward growth. Yeah. Mindset, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. so how do you stay in the positive with those things? Well, it's like, um, or is it just in you? I stay positive about it because I love tattooing so much. And just because there's things that I would have changed mm. or things I think it need to be improved upon, that doesn't mean there's nothing to celebrate. Yeah. You know, like celebrate your win. It's still a win. Like, is your client happy? Fuck yeah. My client's super, super happy with everything that yeah. I did. My client's pumped. Okay. That is a huge win. Um, does the internet like it? I mean, I don't really give a shit at this point anymore because I just, I got to make art because I love making art and I got to make my clients stoked and I know what lane that I want to be in. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, is the client happy? Am I happy with it? Did, did the artwork turn out good? Like when I look at it, is it aesthetically pleasing? Yeah. You know, um, if I can check those boxes, then I'm happy. But uh, if there is a loss anywhere in that for me, it might be like, man, composition kind of got away in this spot. Maybe I could fix this, move this around, whatever. But I think of it more of a lesson than like me losing or feeling like a failure. Like I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to like, I might have a moment of sadness where I'm like, God, I, I love this project. It turned out so, so good. But if I could just do this, I'm not trying to kill my win, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to kill my win. I need to enjoy the moment of like, this is really sick and really happy with this because I do feel that way when I finish projects, like almost all the time now, which is crazy. That's also different. Like a couple of years ago, I couldn't say that. Like I would finish a project and I'd be like, I was happy with the project, but there was a lot of things I wasn't happy with. And now I feel like I'm happy with the project and I love just about all of it, but there's finesses that I want to change. There's Mm. little refinements and those refinements and those finesses are the things that keep me just being like, okay, dial it in, dial it in, move forward. Come on, keep pushing it, keep pushing it. And sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. And then like we were saying earlier, you step back and you look at the timeline and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize growth was still happening. Do you have a process of, uh, I guess like I, I'm not a sports guy, so I might butcher this. Uh, I think game tape, you know, like they look back at games or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also like studying. And I'm and I ask that because I think that like if you talk about like, oh, like I want to get better at composition here. I want to get better at whatever the other little detail aspects. Right. Like you said earlier, like the the angle at which you hold the needle or the pen, you know, like yeah. little things like that. I have to imagine the only way to know if you can improve is one, look back. And then two, you have to be like forward. Uh, you have to be studying other people's work or uh, I don't know you if do. there's art t- 
textbooks or or courses or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Because how else do you mm-hmm. how do you else do you even know? Like if you told me you were going to improve composition, I'd be like, I actually don't even know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I yeah, mean? So yeah, you have to master it. Yeah, you do. And um, for me, I mean, one of the best things about the internet, one of my favorite things, is I see so many sick tattoos. Yeah, like people that I would have never seen ever. Yeah. You know, and I get to look at that stuff every single day. And I see these tattooers from France and Germany and Poland and Norway and Japan, and they are just making the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it like, it's that kind of stuff. Now don't hate yourself to improve. Like there's a balance though, you know, like if you find a necessity to improve, like I'm not good enough, therefore I need to get better. I think there's a small aspect of it that really works. You know, like if that's your motivation initially, you know, like I think our motivation to improve should always be driven in self-love, but sometimes just being like, you shithead, like you need to get better. Yeah. Like it just makes you get better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm all for that sometimes. Like I, uh, David Goggins is one of my favorite guys. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, and a big part of that is cause I, I really like to run. It's yeah. like one of my favorite things to do. Um, but I just remember, you know, I was always thinking, you know, people are always like, be really gentle with yourself, all that kind of stuff. And I get that. Yeah. Like, we should love ourselves and all that. He's but not. <laughs> he's not. He's not. No. But, you know, there's a part in one of his books where he's like, he couldn't lose weight. He didn't know how he was going to lose weight. He had tried absolutely everything in his life. Yeah. And he took a sticky note and he, I can't remember exactly what, what he wrote on it, but it was like, you're a fat piece of shit. Yeah. And he just put it on his bathroom mirror and he just left it there. And that's brutal, yeah. right? Like, that is absolutely brutal. That worked for him. Yeah. I'm not saying push yourself to that level, yeah, yeah. but for me in my mind as a tattooer, a lot of the time I had to really be like, dude, like you're falling short and you are not improving and uh, your work kind of sucks compared to these other people. And you have two options. You yeah. can stay where you're at or you can figure out what they're doing and you can try to replicate them the best that you can to find a way to improve. Yeah. And so it was like... Um, you know, having a lot of self-respect for the work that I'm doing, being happy with where I'm at, but also recognizing that I need to improve, that like things need to get better. Yeah. You know, and um, especially for relative to where you want to go. And I think that, you know, I've, I've, I've said this to people many times and it kind of relates to what we were talking about before when we were out there uh, in the gym. But like if you if you don't accept or like kind of look into the pain, whether that's like literal pain, emotionally, mentally, or it's just like I suck at this one thing, like it doesn't matter. Like, right any negative, right? The negative side of things, the pain side of things. If you don't look into that, you'll never actually be successful because you can't work through it and you don't know why it's there. You don't know why it's holding you back. You don't know how to get to the other side of it. Um, and I've, I've had this in different areas of my life. I didn't put a sticky note on the mirror, but when I was a quote unquote fat piece of shit and I wasn't moving forward, (laughs) I was ignoring, I literally was like, I don't look in the mirror. I don't weigh myself. I skip the doctor whenever I can. I don't go to the lake with friends. Like I just was just like, well, I have a pain. It's subconscious right now because I'm ignoring every situation that's going to put it right in front of my face. Yeah. Right. And then at a certain point I was like, I'm, I get out of the shower and I don't know what it was. And I mean, maybe I was at my tipping point. I remember just going right to the mirror and looking at myself and kind of talking to myself like, dude, what the hell? Like, yeah, what are you doing? And I had to literally stare at myself and be like, you are out of shape. You're fat. You're overweight. Like, you're sweating all the time. Like, what are you doing? Like, you don't yeah. have to live this way. Your family isn't this way. Like, what? Like, it's just you, and you're choosing to do this to yourself. And it yeah. was very brutal, but it worked. You know, it made me finally switch because I realized, like, okay, this is the pain. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And that's how you move forward. Exactly. And then you have to become obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like you said, 
Uh, obsession is very uh, similar to passion in a lot of ways. And uh, then you have to become obsessed with like, how am I going to get there? Create a plan, whatever that looks like, and, and execute the plan. Yeah. Like relentlessly pursue the plan. And tattooing has been that for me. We, we, I touched on it for a second. Like I love to run. And we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, tattooing for me and running are very similar things because I think the, the most challenging thing in tattooing is tattooing all day long. Yeah. It's, if you want to make really sick shit, mm-hmm. you have to have a client that is incredibly dedicated, which it's crazy. I don't know how you were able to sit so many hours that you did and so many other clients where I'm like, Hey, so this is kind of the expectation. Like I'm just going to like, have you get here at 10 and you're going to leave at like six 30 if that's cool. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and people are like, Oh shit, I've never been tattooed more than like three or four hours, but I make people sit all day yeah. because I want to see these projects get done. Yeah. I want it to look mint, you know, top tier. Yeah. And, and I, you're like, Cody, can you come back tomorrow and do it again? Yes. All yes. Right. Back to back <laughs> days. Yeah. Because that's like, that's how you produce really yeah. good quality. And um, just a side note, just to like, uh, honestly, just hype you up and hopefully people will like <laughs> go get tattooed by you. But part of the reason why it's easier with you too is because of this. Like there was so many, like we, if we would have recorded the conversations we had. Oh yeah. Dude, like we could sell that for a thousand dollars because people would literally grow so much from the deep conversations about Absolutely. life, marriage, kids, faith, business, everything, you know? Yeah, and I think exactly. it makes it a lot easier to sit and tattoo with somebody when the tattoo artist doesn't just plug headphones in and go like, I'll see you, yeah. like, I'll talk to you at 630. Yeah. You know, like I can sit there and, and talk to you. And for me, if I can have a conversation, I don't really think about the pain as much. Yes. So there's probably times, uh, I know I've said this, Shannon, I think I said to you a couple times, like, I'll shut up if you want me to shut up, but it's way no, easier it, for me to get tattooed if I'm just talking. Well, and the other know? thing to me too is like, you know, if you had asked me like five, six years ago, can I multitask and have that, you know, have those deeper conversations and also focus on yeah. my work. It may have been a little more challenging, but I think with just years of working, like I found a way to be able to kind of do both. And, uh, I love it because yeah. it makes my day go by a lot quicker too. And mm-hmm. then before you know it, it's like six o'clock, the day's done. I feel like I know you way better as a person. The best relationships I've made in my life have been through tattooing. Yeah. Like just being able to get close with people and, 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 and make close relationships. And not everybody's open to that or wants to do that. And I totally get it. And I kind of read the room, you know, but, um, I think that it, like, one of the best parts about tattooing for me has been the relationship aspect. I've learned so much about myself by talking to other people. Yeah. I've met so many interesting people and you just don't get the chance to have those kinds of new relationships and get that insight if you're not willing to just yeah open yourself up. Dude, it's a know? very personal thing, you know, and, it is. and I can relate to that with our coaching team because it's the same thing, dude. Like we build relationships with people and that's why they get great results is because they're yes. usually willing and open to that. Like, of course we have some people that come in, they're like, I need to get shredded by this date. I'm a robot. Tell me my macros. And we're like, okay, we got you. But 90% of the people, it, it is conversations. It's building mm-hmm. relationships and you get closer to them. And then it makes your job more meaningful, you know, because yeah. now that person, especially for like, I think of it like the person sees a transformation. They're a new person. Like they get to live with that. And I was a part of that journey. And it's the same with you. I'm walking around with your artwork on my body. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty. It's that's, crazy. That's really personal. It, dude, it's so personal. And you, the last thing that a person wants to when they're walking around with your artwork on them is like, man, like this tattoo turned out nice. Sometimes it, it didn't. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it turned out good. They're like, man, this tattoo turned out really good. But man, that guy's a dick. Yeah. Or like man, I'm super happy with how this turned out, but like, I kind of like it less because I feel like that person was like horrible to be around. I've, d- I've been there. I've talked to you about that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna say names, but yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it does make a difference. Like the, the aspect of the experience, 
you know, and it, even yeah. like I like I will leave your shop with really dope artwork and then like a story to tell about it. Yeah, exactly. Which is dope. That it's like, wow, you know, it wasn't just it's uh, it wasn't just getting a cool tattoo. It was like uh, and I don't even want to say therapy session by any means, yeah. but kind of therapeutic in a way, you know, for me and, and uh, certain clients like you and a, and a couple other guys that I've been able to connect with over the years where it's like sometimes you just want to talk about life. Like how often do you get to just like hang out with a buddy and just like talk about just all the shit, you know, mm -hmm. when it's just, uh, it's just the two of you and it's, it's no cameras, it's no recording. It's just like two people that are just like being like, yo, this is where my life's at. And I'm like, this is where my life's at. Yeah. And we just get to share in that. And it's like uninterrupted because it's like, yeah. Hey, no matter what, you're going to be here for six or seven hours. So let's like, let's make a really sick piece of art and let's just like, let's get to know each other. You there's know? no, and there's no, like people need to listen to that and really like force themselves into those situations. Like if you're like, I don't want to get tattooed. Okay, that's fine. But like force yourself into it because there's too many distractions in the world today. It's very difficult to do that. Absolutely. Um, when I just flew out to Dallas, I was with one of my best friends, Cody, his name's Cody as well. And I got on the plane. I was like, I, usually I'm like, I get first class so I can have space and I can work. I'm like, I'm going to grind because it's undistracted. Let's just go. Dude, I literally, the, I've never forgot my AirPods in my life. I have multiple pairs of AirPods. Right. So it's impossible to <laughs> so forget. So do I. <laughs> and I forgot my AirPods. And I literally was like, I'm supposed to just disconnect right now. And yeah. we had a four and a half hour flight. You know what I mean? And it was that exact thing. He was actually telling me that, uh, cause he's a runner as well. And yeah. he, part of the reason he started is cause him and his wife would go on a run and he was like, we would just talk. It's like two hours of running and just talking. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I would love to do that for like 20 minutes with my wife. Cause I can't run for two hours straight. But, um, <laughs> but like, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, like let's force ourselves into a situation where we have to unplug. And yeah, disconnect. exactly. And that's yeah. the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. It's that force connect time. Yeah. And, um, and I talk to people about it all the time, but usually when you become really, really plugged into your work or whatever, you know, outside of your work, you have your family. Um, you know, if you have a family, you have your family that you spend time with. And then as far as friendships, relationships, people that you hang out with that you would call friend or that you would call on like 99% of those people are people that I tattoo at yeah. this point now, because those are the people that I feel like I know the best. I just finished the, um, a project on, uh, I would consider him a good friend now. And I did both of his arms, uh, and then we did touch-ups and stuff, but I was like, dude, we've spent like over a hundred hours together. I was like, that's pretty wild when you think about it. Yeah. And the first like 20 or 30 hours, he watched a lot of movies, but eventually it turned into like just chatting more. Yeah. And like now, now, now I know everything about him. You know, yeah. I know where he works. I know his dog's name. I know his previous girlfriends and and, and relationships and, uh, his aspirations, his goals, um, what he wants to do, what, what he likes to do for fun, you know, things like that. Um, and it's really relationship building, you yeah. know, and really good for, for both people. And, uh, it's the coolest part about my job. Yeah. It's the coolest part. Now on the opposite end of that, you do something that is similar from an endurance perspective. Yeah. But you're not talking to anybody. <laughs> Maybe right. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I do talk to myself. Yeah. One of the things that blew me away about that is you were like, yeah, you just don't use headphones. And I'm like, how do you run for hours and not have headphones? You know what I yeah. mean? So, so you're, are you still training for the Boston marathon? So I have to PR first in order to get that. Okay. And haven't done that yet. Okay. I am, I have a marathon schedule for January and if it goes well and I run the time that I want to run, then I'll see if I can get into Boston. Okay. But so I'm an did, avid runner. But how did that start? 
Like, what was the, what, like, at what point were you like, you know what, I'm going to just go on a really long run today? <laughs> well, you know, I always kind of liked running off and on a few miles here, a few miles there. It was more for weight management than anything, because you and I had similar histories in that, you know, when I was in high school, I was, I was the chubby kid and, yeah. you know, really struggled with my weight and I was insecure about that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to be in shape. And actually my senior year of high school, I wasn't going to graduate high school unless I fulfilled enough PE credits that I had to make up because, oh, no kidding. yeah. Which is ridiculous. Like yeah. nobody doesn't go like past high school because yeah. they're like negligent on PE credits, yeah. you know, like, but that was, that was the case for me because it was something that I just, I didn't like to do it. I didn't want to do PE, all of that. So I had to double down. I did like a first period PE and a six period PE. And I had to do, I was out for like a month and a half out of school. Just, I was sick, um, but I had to make up all these PE credits. I was living with my athletic director at the time. Uh, my senior high school. That's a long story, but I was living with this guy and uh, amazing family. And he made sure that I didn't miss a workout because I had to make up one hour of exercise a day to equate to, I, I don't even know exactly how long it was for the PE that I missed, but he had to sign off on it. And of course I'm living with the athletic director. He's like, not going to not yeah. sign off. Yeah. So I actually had to start exercising. And I would just go out and do like two, three mile runs. Main reason for two, three miles, it's enough to burn some calories. It felt good, but I wasn't killing myself. And so I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, that's kind of where I left it at. It was really more of a cardio tool for a long time. And then I think it was probably 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, 2017. I signed up for a half marathon with a, a friend of mine. I was like, let's run a half, which sounded crazy because yeah. a half marathon is really far. I mean, it's what is that? 13.1. That's what I thought. Um, but I had never <clears throat> ran 13.1 before. And um, I ran four miles for the first time in my life. I saw that. <laughs> it killed me. <laughs> it's brutal. It Especially when your body is just not acclimated to it. You know, it's one of those things that mm -hmm. um, I was talking to a couple of people about this recently that it's just like your body can become acclimated to any distance. Literally. I really, truly believe that it really can. Yeah. It's just like, how bad do you want to keep running every day? How much do you enjoy it? Is it sustainable for you to do it every day? For me, I ran enough that eventually I, I was able to go longer distances. But at the time I, I broke into running a half at the end of the half marathon. My buddy was like, I was like, do you ever want to run a full? He was like, no, I'm good on that. But, but you can, you're good. And I was like, okay, cool. And then COVID happened, uh, about a year and a half later. And in that year and a half, I really wasn't running much after the half, but then COVID happened and it's like, all the gyms are shut down. Like we're all stuck at home. There's literally nothing that I can do except for go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> so I started running again and I got really into it. And there were a lot of outdoor events that they were still allowing during COVID. So I was able to sign up for a lot of half marathons and stuff. And I think I ran like six half marathons that year and then trained for a full. And then I ran a full following year. I did three or four half marathons and then I did another full. Um, and then I was training for, to do a sub three hour full, um, so that I could qualify for Boston. Um, never ended up running that full marathon that I was training for to PR for Boston, planning on running one in January now, um, to try and PR for Boston. See if I can. Yeah. It's challenging, man. I'm not a small guy for, for a runner either. Um, and uh, I've always just tried to get faster because I've never been fast. You yeah. know, I've never been like a fast guy. Um, in fact, that first half marathon that we ran, I think it was like a two, 215 something, two hour, 15 minute. It ended up equating to like almost a 10 minute mile, something like that. And that's a person that considered themselves relatively athletic that was getting into running because I still weight lifted a lot and stuff. That, 
not that, good. I, to runners, like yeah. people that are like avid runners that compete and try and PR, right. it's not good. Yeah. You know, um, to anybody that wants to compete or just run a half marathon, um, it's a good time. It's a solid time for somebody that just trains, wants to get out there and run. Um, but for me, my competitive mindset, I yeah. was like, I want to do better. I want to run, you know, uh, sub seven minute miles. Like that's what I would like to be running. I would yeah. like each mile to be under seven minutes. Um, and so that's what I kind of started training for. And I came close to that in a half marathon, just like a year later. So my, the, the change, cause I was running so much. I yeah. ran like a one thirty four forty five. uh, like not even a year later. Dang. So I ended up trimming like 44 minutes off my half marathon, something crazy like that. And yeah. that was just because of that constant, yeah, constant, just doing it, doing it, which goes back to tattooing that it's habitual. It's yeah. like, I just need to sit here. It's, it's, it's cathartic. Is that the right word too? It's like, a, it's so, like yeah. this slow, slow grind. It's like, a, it's, um, it's almost monotonous, right? It's monotonous, but it's like, it's a form of meditation in, yeah, in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. People don't like to do it. So I enjoy it because there's that sense of pride in doing something that people don't like to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it just totally falls in with my personality type. Yeah. Like doing really like long, strenuous, challenging stuff. Um, whether that's to prove it to myself or to others, or it's a mix or yeah. what I think it, like I said in the beginning, tattooing started out as me trying to prove to other people I deserve to be there. And then eventually those things just kind of disappeared mm -hmm. and it turned into like, I'm here because I love this and I'm passionate about it and I want to, I want to grind and I want to get better and get better and get better. And then I picked up running and I'm like, this is the same thing. This is the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I'm alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do, I do listen to music. Um, I don't usually listen to music if it's like a five or six mile run. If it's like a 14 mile run, I don't listen to music for the first half because anything over six or seven miles sucks. It's hard. And yeah. so for me, I need to, I need to feel like I give myself a reward. So I'll run the first six or seven miles and it's like, I got my AirPods in my pocket. I'm like, okay, you just earned music, you know, mm -hmm. and then I'll throw the music in and then I'm amped. It's like, I get that like second wind adrenaline rush at mile seven. I'm at the halfway point and I get my music. Yeah. Um, Mike Tyson had a quote, and he's a little bit hardcore, but he said uh, basically that self-discipline is when you do something you hate long enough that you love it, like you begin to love it, right? And I don't I've think you that. have to necessarily hate it, because obviously, you you know, you don't start running because you hate it necessarily. I mean, maybe David Goggins did, but um, yeah. <clears throat> what what allows you to get motivated when you're not motivated for this kind of stuff? Like, I know there's a lot of us that say, like, you got to do hard things because hard things make other things easier, and it's just like that's how you grow. But I think there's also an aspect of, like, there's like a, there's a, a weird part of you that loves yeah. the hard, difficult thing. Like you love the idea that this run is going to suck, which just sounds crazy. Yeah. But like, how do people, it goes back to that quote I said, I don't even think I said it on the podcast, but um, there's three types of responses people have to greatness and you're either inspired by it, you're envious by it, or you're intimidated by it. And if you're not inspired by it, you're not going to be successful. So I think part, like a lot of what you're saying is, is what, identifies or defines the type of person that is inspired by greatness. Cause even with tattooing, right. you're like, I, I watch all these other tattooers that are better than me, that do more than me, that have different styles than me. And I learn from it instead of saying like, screw that guy. They're so good. I'm exactly. never going to get there. Yeah. You're jealous of it or you're intimidated by it. So you stop trying or anything like that. Right. And running, like you go straight from like, I'm going to run a little bit to, I'm going to like consume all of David Goggins content where he's telling me yeah. I'm a piece of shit and he can run way further than me. Yeah. And yeah. He's a Navy SEAL. Exactly. 
and it like inspires you. It you know ins- what I mean? It was inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, how, how do you, I guess like, I mean, just your thoughts on that in general and how you stay in that type of mindset. Cause I think that's one of the biggest faults people have is yeah. like, if you can't take in, cause you either a, you're, you're not taking in the right content or environment or people and or you're not taking it in the right way. You're intimidated or you're envious yeah. of it, or you're not putting yourself in those situations, those practices or those environments at all. And that's causing you to never have the opportunity yeah. to get inspired by greatness. Yeah. You know, I've heard the the whole, you know, it's very, everybody gets motivated every now and again. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets motivated. Yeah. My diet starts tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yeah. how many times have you heard that shit? Oh yeah. Uh, and then like, they make it through three or four days and they're like, you know what? Just one bite of this isn't going to hurt. And then they have like one beer too many and they can't get up for their workout. And then all of a sudden they spiral and it's been two months and they haven't worked out. And it's because like everybody can be motivated. You know, like you, you hear a reel that's like, oh man, that resonates. I got to get my shit together or this or that. Like everybody experiences it. But I think the difference between being motivated and just having an atomic habit, you know, like it's, it becomes a it's habitual. And I think that's the difference. It's like um, maybe if somebody's teeth are falling out of their head because they never brush their teeth, they might learn, they might be motivated for a little while to start brushing. But unless they really develop a habit that's just like, I do this every single day, they're going to have a lot of dental problems long term and they need to make a a change that's sustainable. It's not a motivation thing. It's Mm. a habit forming thing. Yeah. And I think running is like that too. If you want to be really good at running, getting motivated for a day or two. It's cool, but you're going to get really, really sore and then you can't run for four or five days. So just know that Yeah. because when you take that four or five days off, that is not, that is not uh, your body's way of saying this is not for you. No, this is your body's way of saying we're a little sore. Let's dial it back a little bit and then let's get back into it. But how do you do that? And I think it's just, it's all habit forming. And how do you form habits? I think a lot of that has to do with personality type. Yeah. Um, because motivation does come and go yeah, and habits generally stay for the most part. Um, what is, um, <clears throat> what is your ultimate, like, I, I want to, I think the next like couple questions are going to kind of like wrap us around and kind of con- yeah. encapsulate everything we've been talking about. What is the, the drive for success period? Yeah. Not like uh, with tattooing, not with running, not with business, family, anything, but like the, the type of men that I'm attracted to being around are typically people who don't have a one dimensional view of what success is. Right. And so I've been around of like a lot of people who are extremely successful in business and I can learn from them, but they don't have a family or their family life is broken or they don't have uh, their fitness together or anything like that. But then I've been around guys like yourself who are consistently getting better at running and staying in better shape. They're consistently growing their business. I mean, you, right. you started a tattoo shop with your mentor, which means that, and, and I just started my apparel company with my mentor. Right. And so I can relate to that in the sense of like, if you have a mentor and you work to a point to where that you're like a co companion with yep. them yep. and they trust you to start a bit like, that's a really, it is. that's a really cool thing, you know? So you did that. Then you, uh, put, bought a, um, a, uh, a restaurant, yeah. uh, a wine bar slash restaurant yeah. with your wife. Mm-hmm. So you guys run that. And then you opened up a private tattoo studio. Right. Mind you, all the while, uh, I don't know how much you have involvement in this or if you helped or not, but Steph, your your wife has also been like the top uh, microblader in the town for I don't know how long. Now she's yeah, not like only has years, her own. Six years, yeah. yeah, she's not only doing that, but she's teaching people how to do it. She has employees. So like you guys obviously have yeah. this in your household. And I got to imagine like, 
I don't know, like there has to be a drive. Like I always think of uh, like that Kevin Hart has that one episode on Joe Rogan where he's just like, why not? Like, why not be your greatest or why not strive for more? Why not just do more? And like, I always have that in yeah. my mind playing. Yeah. And sometimes it gets the best of you because you're yeah. like, you, it, it can make you say yes to too many things. I've always said that too. I'm like, why not? It's my name backwards. That's what I always say to people. Is it really? Oh, it is. Holy shit. Tony, why not? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Someone was <laughs> like, why not? It's my name backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So no. Yeah. I totally get that. It's like, and why not me? You know, Yeah. I had this victim mentality when I was younger because I didn't have anything mm -hmm. and I felt like my life sucks. I can't even get an Xbox. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I just felt that way. But then I started to realize all these people around me that had stuff and were doing things and were making shit happen. They were just, they were doing it. They yeah. were creating a plan and they were doing it. You know, like you see these I'm going to go back to tattooing on this one. Like I'll see a tattooer that is so incredible, like so untouchable. I'm like, how do they get there? Like, that's impossible. This is what a lot of people would say. This, that is physically impossible. I will never get there, but it's actually like, why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't you like what steps need to be taken in order to get there? Now I'm not passionate about, um, you know, going and getting a master's degree or something like that. But if I was, I could absolutely do it. Yeah. And why could I do it? Because I said that I can. Yeah. And now I'm going to make the necessary steps to make that happen. Um, but it's hard because a lot of people, they, 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 they're like, that's a good idea. But then the part where like you have to drive, you know, like the drive has to be there. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's the follow through with the thought. Yeah. And I think most people just get so hung up, so paralyzed on the idea that they're not good enough to do something. They can't reach that potential or that goal. And it's just simply not true. Now, I'm not going to play in the NFL. That's yeah. that's not in the cards for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there, are, there are some things that I, that just won't happen. But because you started too late. I mean, like I, realistically, like yeah, if you think true. about it, if yeah, you exactly. were. Well, because I'm, yeah, I'm a 33 year old man now, you know, yeah. like um, and I and I just. If you were I'm five not, foot one and you were talking about the NBA or something, I'd be like, yeah, it's I mean, whether you started playing basketball and I mean, what what was it? Muggsy or Bugsy or whatever his name is. Muggsy. He was five yeah, two yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, just about anything, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like uh, I, I have a, a buddy that has this this tattoo on his arm. It says, "What mind of man can believe and conceive, he can achieve." Mm. And I really like that. Yeah. And I'm not going to say who who said it because I I I don't remember. Sounds like a Marcus Aurelius Some, or Seneca or something. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I love it yeah. so much though. And I think about that sometimes all the time when I'm like, man, this shit sucks. Like if I'm running and I'm like, I don't want to do this today. Like I could easily turn around right now. My legs are fatigued. I want to go home. I want to sit on the couch. I want to hang out with my son. Yeah. You know, I have a six month old right now. I'm trying to squeeze out all the time that I have, you know, yeah. every little bit of time that I have. I'm like, I want to go home. I want to hang out with him. But then I'll think about a quote like that. And I'm like, you got to believe that you can do this thing right now. Yeah. You have to materialize it in your mind and then just go do it. And yeah. once it's done, then you get to reap that reward, you know? And, uh, I think it's that constant desire for, to succeed, the constant desire to grow stagnation is scary, right? Like that's how we've made it as far as we have as a civilization, because yeah. there are enough people that believe that we can do better, be better, grow in whatever facet that may be, like just technologically speaking. Yeah. I mean, look at where we are from a hundred years ago as a society. It's not because people sat on their asses and were like, good enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you showed people what we have today in 1913, <laughs> oh my gosh, it'd be insane. Even like, yeah. I mean, what the internet came out in 1990 mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Like that's pretty crazy. Yeah, like that's early nineties. Wild. 
That's absolutely wild. It's just a few decades ago. Like that is nuts. And now what can you do with internet? Dude, it's totally crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. I think, uh, I wrote this in my journal the other, like the other day. Um, and I think this, like I say faith, but I'm not necessarily talking about God. I'm just talking about faith in like believing in yourself to do anything, but like faith is optimism. Which is true in the sense of like, if you just let faith lead you with people will say that about religion too and God, and they just know that things are going to work out. So it's, it's believing in yes. the process, right? Whereas like the opposite is, uh, uh pessimism. And that's where right. it's the cheesy ass saying of like, you got to look at the cup half full, not half empty. Right. But if you really think about it, it's like, damn, like every time you look at something half empty, you're consistently planting more doubt in your brain about being able to do things because yes. Having faith in yourself and having faith in what you can do and having faith in uh, success and life and anything is just optimism. It's knowing that like you can if you want to. If you make the right sacrifice, you put the right effort in, you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh-huh. Really. <clears throat> well, my dad, my dad's a psychologist. He talked to me about this thing. Damn, well, oh, that would have oh, been crazy growing up with that. Well, I didn't grow up with it actually. Like, oh. Because when we moved to Ellensburg, that's why we moved. My dad had like a, like a midlife life change. He wanted mm-hmm. to start a new job and do that whole deal. So he went okay. to college for a long time, was at Central for a while, and then he ended up actually, uh, Central Washington University, and then he actually ended up pursuing a psych degree. Um, uh, okay. And, and I believe he got his, his master's at Central as well. So you were like an adult when he became a psychologist. Yeah, got it. yeah. And we've had a lot of conversations since then. And um, But one thing that he's always said to me is he's like, you know, when we habitually think on things, you know, we create these like neural pathways mm-hmm. in our brain and we always revert back to that thought. So whatever it is that you're feeding yourself, if it's a negative thought or a negative emotion, if it's a fear, if it's an obsessive compulsion, whatever it is, it's like your mind just gets so like, yeah. your destination will always be the same. Um, like, because you're going through the same journey in your mind and you're wondering why you're always, it's insanity. It's literally, yeah, yeah. and because we're creating, we're carving out neural pathways basically in our mind that will always bring us back to the exact same, yeah. the exact same place. And how do you change that? Like, how do you change your perspective? If you have a positive thinking mind and you say, I can do this, I'm going to do this because da, 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 da. eventually you, you are creating, you know, pathways yeah. in your mind to, to being successful um, it, it's crazy that it's that simple, but yeah. it's, we had a, a, she was a psychologist and a neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Candace leaf, I think is her name. Yeah. And she said the exact same thing. Cause I asked her, I was like, and it was actually during COVID and I said, Hey, like I, like, I'm just curious, like hypothetically speaking, if I can, like, I just keep telling my wife, like, I'm not going to get it. And like, I've been around <laughs> so many people and I just don't get it. Yeah. And so, and she was like, so we kind of, I was like, but my real question with that is like, how, how true is this aspect of speaking things into existence? Cause I don't right. believe in that necessarily. I believe you have to work hard, but I also repeat mantras. I meditate on things. I say the same things to myself. I speak it out loud in front of people because I, I know it'll happen if I do that more. Like what's the science behind that? And she said the same thing. She was like, the more often you say something, it's not that you're just speaking and things magic appear. It's that your habits, your actions, everything you do subconsciously will change to align with whatever you're speaking to the universe. Because like you said, your brain will literally start making you act in that way. It will. Because you're speaking that thing. You're creating a path in your brain to that thing. It's crazy. Yeah. And so I've always thought about that too. Like if I'm being really negative, I'm like, dude, you got to get out of this. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to refocus, refocus yourself on something positive. Or like if you say something negative about yourself, or if you're really angry about something, or if you're having a lot of self doubt, or if you're like, you know, 
ruminating on the things you could have done or should have done or whatever, and you're just sitting in that place, you have to reroute. You have to figure out how to yeah. reroute because if you stay there for too long, you're just like, you're just creating trenches in your mind, you know, yeah. like that you just get stuck in. And that, it, and how much harder is it to pull yourself out when you've lived years with not believing in yourself? You know, like yeah. it just seems like it'd be so challenging to dig yourself out of that. But if you're somebody that practices every day being like, today's going to be great. I'm going to knock this out of the park. This is going to be awesome. My workout's going to be awesome. My life is awesome. My marriage is awesome. My child is awesome. You know, and it's like you believe these things wholeheartedly and it just it just makes every aspect of your life so much better, yeah. you know? And it's hard to practice every day, obviously. It is, but it's also one of those things where, like, people overcomplicate success to an extent when it yeah. really is. It's it's very simple things like that done repetitively and consistently over time with yeah. just a lot of patience, you know? Because I even think about, like, the the most common traits, like, or, or not even traits, but, like, habits of very successful people are usually they meditate or pray and they usually journal. And they yeah. usually like read and stuff like that too. And but they if you think get about, up and they get up early. They do. And they, they do those up, things, right? If you early. think about those, just those two things, they're usually journaling about what they're grateful for and or affirmations about themselves, which I've actually shifted and I've done, I always done both, but I will do gratitude for others. And then I do gratitude for myself, which is really just mantras. Like I'm yep. thankful. I am, I have like this hustler's mentality. I'm thankful that I'm ambitious and I want to chase my goals. Like I'll say those things, which is yeah. just speaking that into existence more. Yep. Yep. And then if you think of somebody praying, they're just thanking God for those things. Yep. Or exactly. if you're meditating, you're repeating, I am blank, I will blank. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's literally just speaking those things into yourself until you believe them and act on them and do them constantly. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's totally wild. And it's funny that you say that too. I think that's why a lot of people that find themselves praying to God a lot and people that find themselves meditating a lot, um, like you said, they have a very similar outlook on yeah. the positivity aspect. But it's because it's that positive reinforcement. You're constantly yep. pouring into yourself. Whether it's talking to God or speaking to yourself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's it, whatever works for you. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, dude, this has been great. Uh, we're going to wrap it up Absolutely, here. Man. I don't know how long we've been going so far, but um, could probably go on and on. But um, it's cool to hear you. Uh, I've talked to you so many times, but it's cool to give you a platform to talk about this kind of stuff because yeah. you're a tattoo artist. So, like, your content is tattooing. Yeah, uh, You don't totally. get a platform to really, like, dive into this kind of stuff that often. Yeah, yeah. And you have so much to say. Well, dude, and I, and I, and I absolutely love it. You know, because it's not just tattooing. I mm -hmm. think a lot of people see a cool tattoo and they're like, oh, this guy just like makes art. But there's so much more behind everyone, yeah. you know, like there's so much more like I'm, I'm tattooing six to eight hours a day. Like my mind goes to a lot of places with a lot of people and a lot of thoughts and emotions that can be spilled out to maybe help somebody with perspective. You know, um, you should start a vlog, dude. That would be cool. In like one episode, like one client per week, you just make them sign a waiver and just be like, hey. Whatever we talk about is going on YouTube. Like, that would be pretty sick. You know. I've actually thought about that, you know, like Tattoo Chronicles or yeah. Tattoo whatever. What a couple, just know. have like a boom mic hovering over you. Yeah. That'd be sick. Dude, it would. That would be cool. Like I said, you get, I mean, you've tattooed some really, really successful people, like yeah. some really cool people that you've told me about that I'm like shocked that ended up in your shop, you know? And yeah. Like that's. Totally. That could be something really, really epic. It would be. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I yeah. really appreciate it. it Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, your work. Um, I know that your books are typically closed. So like any information you want yeah, to say about that. For sure. Stuff. I, I tattoo in Ellensburg, Washington at a shop called Chariot Tattoo Studio, Chariot Tattoo and Microblading. Uh, my Instagram's Tony Tattooer. Um, so you can check me out on there. If you like the work, shoot me an email. Books are closed right now, but I usually open them up a couple times a year and, uh, get it get it cracking love it yeah we'll put all that in the description of the podcast and uh, again man thanks for coming on cool thanks Cody